Welcome to episode 159 of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name's Trent, joined by Jason, and we've got Jared James Nichols on this episode. I know, man. How you doing? Good. How are you feeling? Feeling much better. You have yeah. been sick. We've been on a little hiatus. Yeah, it's been... Because you have the atomic cough. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's been over, what, two and a half weeks, I think, since we put one up. Yeah. We've got some stuff to catch up on, but we're going to get to all of it. Yeah. So yeah, glad to be back. And this is weird. No one would know, but I'm we're sitting on opposite sides, so I'm like I'm not used to looking to my left. I know this is now you know how I feel, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Jared James Nichols has a fantastic album that just came out in January called Black Magic. And we actually talked about that in depth here about two episodes ago. I, maybe it was that last episode. It's been so long. Yeah, since it could have been. Could have been. Who <laughs> I knows? think it was actually the last episode, so Go back to 158 and check that out. But before we get to that, we want to play some music. And we've got a band here called Oddfellas that's out of Amarillo, Texas. They're going to be playing Rocklahoma this year. Can't wait. On the Axis stage. And judging off of the music I've heard from them, looking forward to that for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And this song is called Mama Said, and this is actually the world premiere right here. That's First right. time anyone's ever heard this. So check this out. Mama said from Odd Fellas.
Mama Said, the brand new single from Oddfellas, and that is off their EP called, called excuse me, called Audacity. There you go. It's Audacity. Gotcha. You know, like their name, O-D-D. Yes. Play on words there, of course, with that EP, the debut EP from Oddfellas comes out this Friday. So be on the lookout for that. I think there's five songs on it. Nice. Yeah, this is a this is a great track. Um, you know, kind of dark. Yeah. You know, I liked how it, it kind of set. I could imagine, you know, like a heist movie at night or something. <laughs> right. I mean, that probably has it's the furthest thing from what the song was about. But <laughs> right. um, you know, just that's what the music put in my head. Um, you know, great production, really cool song. Can't wait to see these guys at Rocklahoma. Yeah, I love the guitar tone. It reminded me a lot of like stoner metal. But it doesn't. The music doesn't sound like stoner metal at all, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like a a bridge between that and blues, and they, they call themselves progressive blues, and you can hear a lot of that in there as well. Yeah, I can see that. I get that for sure. Yeah, and a that voice kind of reminded me of Be at the Means at times. Not, yeah, band you know what? Yeah. Another band we've championed in the past out of Georgia. Yes, uh, I I didn't think about that until just now. You said that, and that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, well, there you go. The debut world premiere of that track. It's like we said, Rocklahoma. I believe they're playing Sunday on the Axis stage, so get out there early. The shows usually start at noon, I think. Okay. Check them out and everybody else that's playing that day. That's kind of a good style of music, too, for a Sunday, you know? It is. It really is. You know, your final day there, you know, you're worn the fuck out. You don't need something blasting in your face, you know? This is some good stuff. Yeah. I wanted to bring up, I know that you're one of the world's biggest Metallica fans. Yes. And I saw this thing. I'm sure you saw this because you're, like I said, massive fan. But the next, uh, what do you want to call it, remaster that they're doing? Yes. Is the Garage Days Revisited. Oh, dude. And the But the one thing I wanted to point out is I heard that they're packaging this in the CD box. Like the oh, CD the long box. box, yeah, the long box oh, is like man. you used to get them, you know, back in 1980, whatever that was, seven. Is that when I was? Or? Yeah. Do you remember? Because I, I told you I pre-ordered the damn thing. Oh, already? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know you could do that. Yet. Oh, yeah. No, oh. they they've had the thing on their website for I, I don't know a few weeks, a month okay. or so. I pre-ordered, and they've got a they've got a million different options. You can get just vinyl. You can get a orange vinyl, a picture disc, um, cassette. CD, you can get bundles of the shirt, all this horse shit, whatever. I I got the picture disc. I pre-ordered that. And then you can get the CD in the long box like back when they first. And yeah. I remember telling you that I ordered, I pre-ordered it. And then later on, I was like, ah, fuck, I forgot to tell them that they're doing the CD long box. He'd get a kick out of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're doing the, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I, I almost thought of fucking getting that just for the hell of it. That'd be right. funny, you know, but I I didn't. I heard someone talking about it on Sirius the other day, and I didn't. I wonder if it's like made the same exact way, or if the long box is like a keepsake, where you know before you'd tear it open and you'd have to be careful if you wanted to keep mm-hmm. just that cheap ass yeah. cardboard stuff or whatever it was, you know. But hey, you know we used to make posters out of those things. Don't lie, <laughs> everybody did it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> At least it's not in that long. <clears throat> Do you remember the long plastic thing that came later? Oh yeah, those sucked. And then you got to yeah. <laughs> yeah, those that they take that they they take those off at the register, right? 
I don't know. There was. I can't remember. I thought there was ones that they would send with. You. There was the uh, ones that had like the yeah the security thing on it. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, those were the days, huh? Yeah. Maybe I'll have to get that long box just for you, the nostalgia factor. You should. You should. Yeah. Don't don't open it. Right. Because you know we've all heard Garage Days. You can you know. And we'll hear it again on Spotify anyway. Yes. You just buy it, not open. Remastered. It. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, and then the other I saw just the other day that. Steve Thompson did an interview mm-hmm. and said he doesn't think that they're going to remaster Injustice for All. Like, you know, everybody's hoping they will. Remaster yeah. in the sense of turning the bass up. No, they won't. Yeah. I, I know they won't. Right. And, and they've said that, you know, yes, it was, you know, yes, the bass is a little dodgy, whatever, you know, that no one can hear it. We know that, but they want to keep things as like a picture in time because it's going to it would completely change the sound of it yes and jason newstead is even he's even champion that style of thinking about it too he doesn't want it messed with so i mean that's not going to happen people get over (laughs) it you know and uh you know go look up justice for jason on youtube and listen to that if if it's such a big deal yeah um you know, and of course Jason's gonna go along with whatever because he's still making money off of it. Yeah. So yeah, you know. <laughs> so well, yeah, they'll they'll just you know they'll keep it that way. Well, speaking of today's a Monday, but obviously this isn't live. No, we recorded no. this last night, and today is the big announcement when Metallica's announcing their tour, and they've. Basically, most of the dates have leaked out. I mean, the most of the cities have the leaked cities, out. Not the, yeah. We don't know the dates yet, and that's yeah. by the time you're hearing this, you can Google that and see where they're playing. But they're supposed to be in Tulsa, and as far as our area of the country goes, they're also in Wichita, Little Rock, Kansas City, oh, I yeah. think Lubbock. I don't know. And I think they're not hitting some of the places that they did, you know, the big cities oh, yeah. that they hit in the stadiums like Dallas, and yeah. which makes sense. You oh, know, totally. They're hitting yeah. all the other markets, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm... I'm, dude, I'm pumped. I'm definitely going to Tulsa. I know that I want to hit another one. Realistically, though, I probably shouldn't. I should probably save my money. But I also know that I'm a rabid fan. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, it just depends. You know, you will, Wichita, Kansas City. I know. Let's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, come on. It's me. <laughs> you know, what, what are you going to do? So what are you hoping for as far as opening acts go? Oh, man. I, you know, I don't know. I think <laughs> if they keep it like they usually have done it, you're going to get two opening acts. Um, one's going to be a pretty mid, you know. Big band. Yeah, and then one will be, the opening band will be like a newer band. And it just, you know, kind of like what you said, whatever hipster metal is in, they'll probably do. Because they, <laughs> they have a... They have a history of kind of, you know, putting in the swords and the gojiras and stuff like that. Um, God is for, I don't know. You've got to think about who's, who's going to have something new, who's going to be out and touring, you know, who's available. And I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, once, once it's announced, it'll be like, oh, that's so obvious. I should have thought of that. Right. But I'm drawing a blank now. So what do you do? I just hope it's not Godsmack. That's see, that's my thing is I'm kind of wondering, you know, that's Godsmack's doing a thing, you know, they're coming back this right. year. They're going to have a big record and blah, blah, 20th anniversary. And uh, yeah, no shit. It would make sense if it's them. But, yeah, it really would. But you know, personally, I would love if they took Trojan Conformity again. Mm. You know, oh, then it's, that would be that would a couple be times stellar. in the past. And you know, they've got a new album out. Mm hmm. 
you know, obviously smaller bands like Battlecross would be amazing. Yes. But another band I thought would be like amazing if they took out would be Clutch because people know and love Clutch, but yes. you don't ever see Clutch on these big, you know, maybe they just have turned stuff down, but you don't ever see them on the big stage like that. Oh, no, I know this. Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Kind of have, you know, do maybe a Zach Sabbath and Clutch or something like that. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Zach, yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, but I mean, I I can't wait. So it's just, yeah, I'm I'm all giddy and shit. It's it's pretty nerdy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? I do have something that came okay. up in my head. I want to talk about real quick. All right. This might be a little tough to talk about, but I want to bitch about something. Okay. <clears throat> Only we. It's been a while back, but former Black Label Society guitar player, Evil Twin, Nick Catanese. Do you remember what happened to him, what, a month or so ago, two months ago? Well, yeah. He got popped for sending pictures of his schmeckle to kids, and it pisses me off, and it really pisses me off, because, one, that's just bullshit, and two, that guy got to meet Jennifer Aniston and be in a movie with her in his lifetime, you know? And here I am, here I am, you know, fucking sad bastard on my Howe Foundation couch, <laughs> watching fucking Will and Grace, you know, wondering, you know, what kind of world is it out there? You know, I should be able to meet Jennifer Aniston. But no, this fucking weirdo gets to. It's not fucking fair. Well, what it's not made fair me, and fuck him. So what that's, made that's, me mad, that's all I want to bitch about. What makes me mad is that I fucking love this guy. I know. know. Up until that point, I oh, guess. Yeah. You know, obviously, but I meant, you know, all those years, you know, I was... I was bummed whenever he left. Yep. And it's just one of those guys that he, I would even, you know, seriously, like every few months I would like, you know, look him up and see if he was doing what he was doing, if he was yep. doing anything else, you know. Because, I mean, he was a great player. He yeah. he could mirror anything Zach did. And he was always out there, you know, shaking hands and stuff, walking around after the show. Yeah, we met him at that Kansas City yeah. show years ago. And now look, he's a fucking petter ass. It's just it's bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah, that sucks. And, you know. He can go to hell. <laughs> and Jennifer, I'm out there. I know you're single now, so. Oh, that's true. I saw that yeah. the other day. And she's the most beautiful woman in the world. So uh, <laughs> let's just, let's, let's get something going, Jen. Let's do it. I'm totally available. Hell yeah. Hit him up at thethunderunderground at gmail.com. <laughs> if I see it first, I'll be sure to forward it right on. Okay. Okay. Jennifer. Or at 918JDub is his direct Twitter. You can hit him that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Do it. Well, speaking of Twitter, we're THNDR, UNDR Ground. Hit us up there. Follow us. What else do we got? We're on Facebook. Friendster. On, yeah, Friendster. YouTube, at The Thunder Underground. Instagram is at The Thunder Underground. Get on Patreon. That's Thunder Underground. Just Google, you know, just search us on there. Become a patron. That would be amazing. Totally and, amazing. Of course, Facebook, SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes and everywhere else. Well, let's get into this. We've got Jared James Nichols. Like we said, this past episode, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Black Magic. This second album. Well, I guess he had an EP in an album. So this oh, yeah. would be the third yeah. release, technically. But just such a great, you know... You know, blues, hard rock. You kind of said if, you know, you like stuff like Blackstone Cherry or who else? Early Ian Moore. Early Ian Moore. You know, it, it, this is just great 
swinging blues rock, pure America. And Jared James Nichols, you know, he plays the shit out of his guitar. You know, he feels every note and he just, he pulls every note out of his instrument with like the utmost passion. Um, you can see it when, when he plays and this album is just oozes with it. So, you know, definitely pick up Black Magic. Yeah, and he just got off the Monsters of Rock cruise. Yeah, I think right he's now. in Europe already now. Yeah, he's on tour in Europe right now, opened up for, is it Stonebreed, I think, is the band? I, and, I, I, I can't remember. Yeah. But, yeah, on that Monsters of Rock, he played with Frank Hannon during one of his solo sets. Yeah, that's badass. Had his own set, you know, he's last year he opened up for Saxon and UFO on their tour, and he opened it up for um, Zach Wilde on his Book of Shadows tour. So... This guy's getting out there. I'm hoping he comes back our way here in the next, you know, this year or so. Definitely. Gotta, gotta see him live. Well, let's get into this. This is Jared James Nichols. I grew up in Wisconsin, so when I when I saw the Central Time, I was like, "Yup, yup, I know that, <laughs> yeah. I know that shit." Hell yeah! But you're in California cool, now. Yeah, I'm in California right now. I'm in LA. Um, I uh, used to play in. I think we well, we played the Diamond Ballroom. That was in uh, shit. Where was that? In Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma was that with City, Zach? and then yeah, with Zach, and then uh, I, I uh, played a place in uh, Ardmore, Two Frogs. Oh yeah, I played there a few times. Little, little, little joint, but very cool. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple shows there. Yeah, dude, nice. Yeah, well, gentlemen, talk to me, man. Well, you're getting ready to leave this weekend on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Yeah. Like, how did that come about? Being as your sounds a little bit different than the standard bands that are on that. Well, you know what's funny, man, is um, well, well, the first thing is rock and roll in 2018. Now it's 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 so different than what it used to be, right? Because you know there used to be like so many genres and subgenres. And now it's funny, man. Anyone that's on the stage with a guitar or they're playing real instruments, it's like, okay, cool. You know, so so we kind of got accepted like that. But the funny part is with with the sound I have, you know, uh, we've been getting on all these support slot tours, right? right. So we've been with every, everybody from Zach Wild, UFO and Saxon, uh, Blue Oyster Cult, Leonard Skinner. Um, and, and it's just funny because with all these tours, we start meeting all these people and uh, – I met a photographer, and he's the photographer on the Monsters of Rock Cruise. His name's Igor. I met him up in Toronto, Canada. And um, he goes, hey, man, you ever done uh, Monsters of Rock Cruise? I was like, hell no, dude, but I'd love to. And then uh, next thing you know, three days later, I get a call from the promoter, and he's like, hey, we'd love to have you on the cruise. So I think, you know, it's one of those things, just being out there. And uh, like I said, the the, the stuff I play, it, it's kind of it kind of rolls over these days, man. You know, like – rockers can get into it it's fucking it's loud it's aggressive it's you know it's it's kind of putting it all together but i don't use uh hairspray and i don't uh wear makeup so that's you know <laughs> that, that that's a good thing kinda... that's a good thing exactly dude <laughs> but well uh you, you know let's let's get into black magic a little bit it's a great record and uh you know oh. I, I noticed it it seems like it was released for a while and then it got taken mm-hmm. away and then 
you know, push back a couple months. Talk, talk about what all happened with the U.S. release of that. Yeah, well, you know what's funny, man, is we've had a deal now in Europe for the past two years when we released Old Glory and the Wild Revival, and basically we've been we've been killing it over there, just touring, touring, and you know, the States, it's a different place, and uh, mm-hmm. what we were really trying to work on is, obviously we recorded Black Magic out of love, but we had to get a record out in Europe for this upcoming tours and, you know, get it, get it done on the festival circuit, and... Um, it was my bright idea to basically say, hey, let's release this everywhere. So we release it, and then all of a sudden we started getting some interest in it. And it was like, oh, wait, maybe we could blow it up a little bigger, you know? And uh, we could do more with the record if we held back and we started to work with a company and, and work with someone on some distribution. And, um, you know, because one thing that's funny, when, when you learn how to play guitar, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a guitar player. Next thing you know, here we are talking about distribution and talking about where we can get the record and what countries and, you know, so it was, it came really apparent to me that, you know, truth is, man, I pulled it back because I wanted to put it out in the, in the whole world. You know, I just didn't want a U.S. release. So yeah. we took our time, we did the right steps and now it's available worldwide. And um, it's kind of cool because it's, it's actually getting picked up and we're, we're working on getting some syncs and, you know, like even on like little things on Spotify, I was surprised the first day, one of the tracks on there, Honey, Forgive Me, got picked up. It already had like 200,000 views in less than 24 hours. So I was really pumped about that. And, you know, um, the the main goal of holding it back, although I wanted it out, was just to, to make a bigger splash with it, you know. And what's crazy is now that having that record out and having everyone hear Black Magic, we're starting to get on the, you know, we're starting to write new tunes already and already getting a bigger and better, you know, situation figured out. So it's exciting, man. Yeah, you said that making a splash, and I've noticed, you know, over the last few months, you see your name popping up more everywhere. Do you think that's because of the tours with Saxon and Zach, or if it's just better PR yeah. this time around, or what? You know what? The, the PR hasn't changed, man. The PR hasn't changed. What it is, I think, is. It's like anything, man. It's a grassroots approach. And, you know, it's funny because uh, now we're getting approached by more labels about working together and doing bigger PR stuff. But, you know, I think honestly what it is, fellas, is, you know, you work on something so long and you hit the door and you bang at the door for so long and people start to finally see it. And then putting out the record and having a fresh batch of tunes and, you know, just being on the road all the time, I think that it's one of those things where I was just putting that out there so hard, just trying to get it back. You know what I mean? And, um, what's cool now is, you know, it's cool to see that work paying off and seeing people get excited about it. And, and, and it gives me a little bit more of a, uh, a validation. Like, yeah, people do get it. This is badass, you know, but I'm glad to hear you say my name's popping up, man. Um, and, uh, the funny part is, you know, we're just trying to stay on the road as much as possible and just fucking do, do the good work, man. Just, you know, play rock and roll and tour and fucking, you know, just live it. Exactly. Well, uh, you know, in, in the record, you know, I, I like the the short to the point songs. Uh, it's mm-hmm. real, real direct. Was Did it just come about that way or did you intend to, to make it like that? It, honestly, man, that was a total intention move um, because, you know, this was the thing. We had Old Glory and, and that was the, the first time I'd basically ever really been in a studio mm-hmm. was to cut that record. So that was one that was just learning the ropes. And then yeah. when you hear Black Magic, you know, it's it's basically, I would say, you know, two years on the road. 
and uh, we we started coming up with these songs, these little jams and riffs, and you know everything was so organic, and it was to the point where I, I said, you know, I want to make a record that's short, it's it's sweet, and it's just straight up. You know, yeah. I didn't want any jamming, I didn't want any of that on the record because there there comes a point where I think that. Um, this record is, is just a boost. How do I say this? This record's a boost to the next one because it's it's to the point of like, it's straight up the songs. Everything is just, it hits you really hard. And then when you come see it live, obviously there's, you know, then you see the whole live element to it where we where we do jam it out and, and there's more of a, you know, that kind of feel. But, you know, I, I just wanted to hit people really hard over the head and say, here I am, take it or leave it. This is where we're going and, you know, shoot it, shoot it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I bet all that road work really helped, uh, you know, in between. Oh, it's like going to prison, bro. You know? <laughs> you're like, literally, you're, you're, you know, like, I remember, man, I mean, this is a true story. When I first started on tour, like, I used to like go to like a Walmart and I used to like buy food and, and, you know, get all my stuff. And like, I was going on a vacation, you know, like when it's, I always laugh. It's like when people go on vacation, you know, like, oh, what am I missing in my pack? You know? Yeah. Well, when you're on the road, man, and when you're touring and you're playing the way we play, you know, it, now it's my guitar or my <laughs> gear, a backpack, and let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just the way it is. And it's kind of like this record. It's like, I got rid of all of those, uh, I, I don't know, you know, the first record, it was so much, so much, uh, you know, excitement and, and hesitation and pressure and all this stuff. And on Black Magic, I just literally put it out there and I was just like, fuck it, here we go, baby, you yeah. know, and it's just like, it's it's kind of like you got, I got hard, you, well, you know, hanging out with Zach for for six plus months, and then going out with all these old rock bands, you know, it's like, you got to get on the ropes, or else go home, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned grassroots, when you guys are out on the road, is it just the three of you doing everything? Well, you know what, it was um, for a long time, but you know how it is. It's it's always about uh, the money when it comes to touring, right? We want to make as much money as possible to keep us on the road. And don't get me wrong. It's not like we're trying to uh, cut corners in a bad way. We're just trying to say, hey, what can we get away with? What can we do on our own, you know, and, and what works? But, uh, you know, like, well, i I got to say it. When we're in Europe, no. I, I can tour in the U.K., and I can do some shows in the U.K., and I can drive and do that kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, man— sometimes you need that driver, you know? So like when we were on the road with Zach, we had a driver, we had a sound guy and uh, the band, you know? And we're, you know, we're all young dudes. It's not like we're uh, in the diva mode, you know? We're all working it, <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, any band that's playing now, man, uh, unless, every, you know, it's funny in America, it seems like either you're, you're on the low pole or you're high. You know, there's not a big in-between market. So um, for us, you know, in the States, we, we schlep it, man. We'll get... We'll get uh, a sound guy, a driver, and us. But, you know, in Europe, it's a lot different. You know, the venues, dude, there's, like, people that work at the venues, and they take their job really seriously. And they're like, I am the sound man. You know, and they, they're like, you show up, and there's food, and everything's ready to rip, you know. So you get treated really well over there. But, um, you know, we keep it lean and mean, dude, just like the music. You know, yeah. it's like we're not trying to uh, – I'm not trying to glamorize what it is, you know. It's uh, – it's a fucking rock band in 2018. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, uh, you know, next question is, I'm sure one you get all the time, but just for us, mm -hmm. you know, playing yeah. with your, your, with your fingers, no pick. Yeah. I mean, when, when did that, when did that come about when you decided 
this is what I need to do. How, how did that? How did that happen? I was like, why, why, God? <laughs> no, um, that came about. All right, let me see. We're gonna backtrack. So, like, I started playing guitar when I was about fifteen, and I was like every other kid, you know, learning the ropes. I was printing off tabs and. Oh, yeah. Trying to, you know, doing the whole bit, dude. I mean, I was dedicated. That was in, you know, I feel like an old man. That was in like 2005, 2004, <laughs> you know, 2004 kind of started. And um, I was going through the motions, man. I was trying to play like everybody else. And uh, I got pretty good, man. I was playing a Stratocaster with a pick. I was trying to play like Stevie Ray Vaughan. I, I just wanted to be that. And I loved the blues and I loved all of it. And I, I thought to myself, if I could play like Steve Ray Vaughan and I could sound like Jimi Hendrix and Buddy Guy, that was going to be it. You know, that was the end all be all. So I, I would practice. I would shed, you know, like a, a motherfucker, dude, 12 hours a day when I was a kid, just learning all the licks and doing the whole thing. And uh, when it come down to it, by the time I was like 17, my, uh, my mom, she hooked it up and I went to uh, – like a, a five-day program in Boston to Berkeley, the wow. music school. And they were like, when I went there, it was all fine and dandy. And all of a sudden at the end, they said, hey, congratulations. If you want to come to school here, we want to give you a scholarship. And I was like, okay, you know, that's interesting. And like, I kind of got pumped up about it. And they were like, yeah, we'll, and I think it was like a $30,000 scholarship or something. So I was like, for a 17-year-old kid, I was like, what the fuck? Really? <laughs> You know? Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, now I got to start learning. So then when I got home, I got into like theory and I got into technique and really, really getting, digging in, learning all the, all the stuff behind it, you know? So when I got to Berkeley, I was ready when I was 18. And I remember the moment I got to Berkeley, it was like a piece of my soul died because before I was there, I was this uninhibited guitar player that was like, just fucking lived, lived to play and like, I just, if I was playing guitar, I was happy. That was a happy place, you know. And then when I got to Berkeley, I was surrounded. And I mean, this sounds bad, but I was surrounded by a lot of uh, just downers. Just a lot of people that um, were not there for the right reasons. A lot of, even the teachers, you know. they uh, I don't want to say so, like they were trying to uh, to be hard on kids, but it was like, you know, like, their dreams were crushed, so now they're going to crush yours. Yeah. You know? And I remember when I went there, I was like, man, I want to play blues, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah, if you're going to come here, that's fun and that's fine, you know, little guy. But we're going to start you out with uh, classical and jazz, you know, and you got to buy a fucking flamenco guitar, like a Spanish guitar, you know, like with nylon string in this and, I, and learn how to read and all this stuff. And I was ready to do it to a point. But then I thought to myself on a real note, I was like, man. I don't want to be this guy. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to play. And I told them that and they were just kind of like, yeah, we don't do that here, you know? And then I remember I was in all these, um, uh, English classes and liberal arts and all this stuff and nothing ever against any of that. But that just wasn't where I was at the moment and who I was. So I remember I started to like rebel and I was like, man, I don't even like playing guitar anymore. This fucking sucks. And I remember, um, I got a gig opportunity and I told my parents, Hey, I'm fucking dropping out. I'm done. And yeah. they were like, what? My dad was okay with it. Cause he was just kind of like, you know, but my mom was fucking heartbroken, dude. She, you know, he, I had this big opportunity and then I left and, um, I just didn't care. And then I came home and I was back in Wisconsin and I'm sitting there looking at the guitar and I'm looking at the strat and I'm looking at everything I've done and all this. And you know, I had chops at this point. It wasn't like I was like, I couldn't play, but I was like, man, who am I? <laughs> 
what am I going to fucking do? You know, like it was almost a moment like that. And I used to practice like I grew up in like farmland, you know, so I was like in a barn with an amp and a strat. And I was literally like, I got to do something like it was a moment like I got to do something. I got to change something up to to get it going, you know, and I love blues. I love Albert King. I was like, I'm just going to play what I want to play. You know, I'm going to play the exact way I want to play. No one is going to tell me how to play anymore. And no one, you know, and it wasn't like I was trying to be a, a, a dick, but it was like, I just went through hell and now I'm going to come back and, you know, life's too short, man. Do it, do what you love. And, you know, and besides the money part, do what you love. And, uh, I remember I picked up the guitar and I, I literally looked at it and I was like, all right, you know what? Fuck the pick. I'm just going to go. And I, I started doing that and, I connected with it right away because I remember right when I first started to play guitar, I, it felt better with the fingers. And my guitar teacher went, I can't teach you how to play unless you play with your, with a pick, you know? And I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden I started playing with my fingers and I was like, God, this feels good. Like this feels cool. And I was on that bridge pickup with a little bit of dirt on it. Yeah. And now I'm getting all guitar-y. And I was like, God, this feels good. Like it feels real, man. Turn the reverb off. I was just like, uh, you know, like this is real. And then uh, I remember I got like a, a a really shitty Les Paul, like a really shitty one from like secondhand a few days later. Cause it was like, I was like, what's up with that? And I ripped the neck pickup out and I started to, to go to town on it. And I was just like, you know what? This is cool. I'm going to do this for a while. And then all of a sudden it was like a new lease on life, man. And uh, the fingers kind of gave me a different feel of the guitar, you know, because there's nothing in the way. And I mean, you know, it sounds maybe some guys will try and call me out or whatever. But when you play with a pick, it's so one dimensional, I feel. Mm -hmm. And that's just me. Um, but it's like you are a slave to that fucking pick. Yeah. You know? And um, when I play, there's it's it's like the possibilities are truly endless with the sounds I want to make, you know, because it's literally there's nothing in the way. Yeah. And um and it's just something special. And like now I use like a P90 pickup, which I feel like is like literally the most, um, the China, you know, it has all of the sound, it has all of the sounds. Um, but there's, there's a way that like now when I play, I never get bored and I'm never like super re like repetitive because every time I pick up the guitar, it's like fresh and, and it talks to me in a different way, you know? So like, you know, it's just like, dude, it's like fucking, I could say a bad thing or I could say a good thing. It's like putting a glove on your hand, you know, and you're trying to everything you do. You can't really feel it. Right. Yeah. Or I could say, you know, a sexual way. But it's like <laughs> you just you just it's better without the glove, you know, <laughs> I got <you. laughs> and, and that's the way it is. dude. So and it's funny because people started connecting me with that technique and they were like, they're just like, oh, yeah, you're that no pick guy. And all of a sudden it like became a thing. And then they're like, oh, you don't play with a neck. And it became a thing and it became way bigger than I'd ever assumed it could be or whatever. So it's just hilarious now because a lot of people like on like Instagram or whatever, you know, if I'm playing a guitar with a neck pickup, like I got some uh, custom shot from uh, Gibson I was jamming on for a minute. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what the fuck? What's up with the neck pickup? You know, it's like people like, expect these things out of me now <laughs> and it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but it came from a kid, dude, that was just fed up with trying to be like everybody else. And I was like, I want to sound like me, man, you yeah. know? Yeah, is that um, that's definitely you found your lane. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. To, so to answer your question <laughs> in twenty minutes, no, yeah, 
that's it, man. You know, yeah. I found the lane and, and I found something that I really enjoy. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, dude, it's a beautiful marriage, dude. I'm happy yeah. to do it. Well, uh, kind of maybe in the same vein as, you know, finding your own lane, you know, I, I've, I've got a couple Epiphones and I was just kind of wondering, uh, you know, for you, uh, what does Epiphone do and why, why, why Epiphone? Well, to be honest, dude, first and foremost, it's the people over there. Uh, yeah. Epiphone and Gibson, um, honestly, they're, and with my experiences, great people. Um, I've been using Gibson guitars, I guess, and Epiphone since I was, I don't know, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. But what really called me to Epiphone was the same kind of thing that called me to the no pick and all that stuff. When I, I was playing Gibson for a long time and I loved him, right? And um, I met Jim, who's basically the owner of Epiphone. And he said, hey, if there's anything you'd ever want to try or, you know, anything you'd ever want to um, take a look at, let me know. And I remember it was at this point where, you know, a lot of people don't understand as well. Um, there's a guitar thing that people are fixated on the most expensive guitars and the most expensive things are going to make you sound the best. And it's so funny because a lot of guys would go, oh, I'm really looking for that bluesy tone. Um, I, I have a 59 custom shop reissue and all this stuff. And I'm going, motherfucker, do you think Muddy Waters was playing a 59 Les Paul? He was yeah. playing a Sears K guitar or a silver tone. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, to me, the thing that I was instantly attracted to was the way that I play. It's not like I'm looking for those crazy jazz or, you know, like this insane. I'm looking for the most raw, direct tones I can. And I remember my buddy um mac and a sweet friend of mine jenny at gibson um they were we were all looking at guitars and because i was like i really want to try that phone stuff you know and um they found this one and it's a a 55 inspired uh les paul custom right and they they ordered it to the showroom here in la and i picked it up dude and literally instantly i was like holy shit and i mean I remember when I was like 15, 16, Epiphone wasn't the cool guitar and it was almost like a thing where it was like, it, it like, it was put down as like, you know, a lower, a lesser, a quality, almost like a Squire or a Mexican Strat would be right. Yeah. Dude, I picked up this Les Paul, this custom, and I was like, the neck, the feel, the weight, I was like, this thing feels awesome. And I remember I plugged it in with the P90 and I was like, whoa, yeah, I'll play this, you know? And the funny part is, dude, I got that guitar, um, let's see, that would have been last February, and I played it to death, man. I played it to death. I played it for a whole year straight, this one, just one of them. And literally yesterday, they just sent me two more. Yeah. I'm staring at it right now. And um, <laughs> they, they are great guitars, man. And um, it's so funny because there's a stigma, you know, people go, oh, um, you know, they, they don't play these things because they, they feel like maybe they're not as, as good or whatever. But, man, I am here to tell you, the tones that I can get out of an Epiphone, if, if there was a the Pepsi challenge, the, the taste test, bro, and you put up a, a 60 or a 55 custom compared to my Epiphone custom, I guarantee you, man, I'll make them both sing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, definitely. Um, <laughs> as always, dude, it comes down to the player, right? So it's whatever inspires you to play. And for me... You know, that the Epiphone stuff, it's like, honestly, man, it's such good stuff. And uh, I don't know, I can't say enough about it. It's just, I dig it. And I'm not one of those guys that's like a, a, a snob about gear. I used to be. 
see, I think that's where it comes from. I used to be a snob, and now I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, no, this thing's fucking great, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, I mod it to hell. It's like a uh, Eddie Van Halen, Frank and Paul, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, besides the obvious blues influences, were there any guitarists early on that inspired you that were outside of that blues room? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, all the classic rock guys, really. My first, like, guitar hero was Tony Iommi. Okay. And then, like, Jimmy Page, obviously, Zeppelin. It was, like, that classic late 60s to, like, 76 stuff. So it was, like, The Who, uh, Pink Floyd, uh, Sabbath, Zeppelin, um, I mean, Cream, Hendrix, you know, all that stuff. But then a lot of people probably wouldn't know I was influenced when I was a lot as a kid by, like, Buckethead. I, I used to love Buckethead. And um, I still love Buckethead. Um, and different guys, obviously, like the Eddie influence. Um, and then when I got into, like, Technique Hard, right, I was listening to guys like Paul Gilbert, Satriani. You know, I was into guitar, so guitar players. And anyone that was, like, blew my mind, I was like, ooh, I want to know that. Or I want to look at this, you know. So, like, for me, it was always about the guitar players. And, um, yeah, I mean, dude. I love Dimebag. I love Zach. I mean, there's so much. The well is so deep, you know? And I think that's what's cool is when um, I meet a lot of guys and, and they'll be like, oh, dude, I only play blues and I only listen to blues. And I'm like, dude, you're stunning your growth, man. Just, you know, and it's like if that's what you love and that's all you want to do, more power to you, man. But, um, you know, for me, it was like I, I just love guitar and I, I want to um, play as much, you know, Make make it as fucking musical and crazy as possible. Well, being a kid in the early 2000s, what was it that drew you to all that stuff? Was it your parents? Uh, you, know, you know what it was, dude? Living in Wisconsin, dude. It's like 20 years behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah, we know yeah, how it is. Exactly. We feel you. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, like, I remember when I was like a kid, like, it was like Limp Bizkit, Kid Rock, and I was yeah. like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, right on, you know? But then when it was like, you know, that age where it was like either I was going to get into sports and I was playing football and I was doing all that stuff. But a lot of my friends, like, it was weird, man. There was like six or seven of my buddies. All of a sudden, they all got guitars. And I was like, whoa. And then I was like, um, man, you know what? Everyone's playing guitar. I'll be the drummer, you know? And I remember I got a drum set and uh, I conned it off like one of my brother's, uh, older brother's friends. And I remember I brought it home and my dad got home from work and he came in the basement. He's like, hell no, dude. Hell no, dude. <laughs> This ain't happening, you know. I ain't going to come home from work and hear this. So um, they're like, do the guitar. You can take it with you, you know, and so much easier to, to carry and we can turn it down, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I remember the moment that I said, yeah, I want to play guitar was when um, I, I got like a, a, a like a Washburn guitar and like a crate amp, like a little practice amp. And I remember distinctly, dude. I was like, how did they get that sound? It sounds so, like, mean. And there was, all of a sudden, I'm looking at the little amp, and all of a sudden, I see this little button, and it says OD. And I was like, what the fuck's that? And I hit it, and all of a sudden, I was like, yeah. and I was like, whoa, there it is, you know? And then I got, like, a wah pedal, and it was like the world opened up, and I was like, dude, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was just one of those things hunting fishing you know it's wisconsin you know there's you're gonna be an outdoors guy or whatever and and i had a lot of time growing up to sit around and pick guitar so it's like instead of playing video games dude i was i was getting getting uh the next level on guitar you know right. well i saw this picture the other day of you with joe perry and johnny depp was that at nam 
No, man, that was actually here in uh, Hollywood at a jam. There was a jam here at, uh, it's like a Lucky Strike. It's like a bowling alley with a big stage. And they host like a jam over there. And uh, I don't know if you guys heard of it. It's called uh, Soundcheck. And it's it's awesome, dude. I mean, mean, people, now it's funny. Like, people come from all over to just come and see who's going to show up and play and stuff, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. I, uh. I mean, if you want to talk about Joe and Johnny, you know, that, that well runs pretty deep, too. Um, I, uh, I first met Joe through my manager, because um, my manager, he owns a studio out here, and Aerosmith was making their last record there. And I met Joe and Steven and the guys, and they heard me play, and they were like, come hang out with us when we're making the record. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, so I'm in the fucking control room with Aerosmith, hanging out, listening to new, new tunes, and everybody's fucking having a good time and i was just like man this is insane i'm not in wisconsin anymore dude you know (laughs) i think at this point i was 24 yeah 24 and um i met joe at like that and then it was funny one of his sons came out tony and uh he said hey i'm moving out here man and we started hanging and whatever great fucking dude he's one of my best friends now and you know like there's always a stigma right with people that um maybe are related or whatever to uh you know famous people Joe's kids they break all the barriers man they're like you and I you know they're just totally cool straight down to earth and uh, we became like best friends so he's actually the one that uh, co-produced co-wrote Black Magic with me engineered it the whole thing oh wow and uh, and with that you know me and Tony we were able to uh, do we we raided the vault man we're using a bunch of Joe's gear we were doing the record at uh Johnny Depp's house and his studio where they did all the Hollywood vampires and Alice Cooper and all that stuff. So I got really lucky, man. Really fucking good people. And, um, you know, it's music's crazy, man. It brings a lot of different people together, you know. And when you put out that energy and you're in a city like this where literally, like, L.A. is crazy, man, in every way. It's crazy, like, batshit crazy, but it's also crazy, (laughs) like, it's crazy, like, whoa. I just saw, you know, somebody at the fucking uh, pet store or whatever. You know, it's just weird like that. Yeah. You just never know. It's always an adventure here. Yeah. And um, it was funny. I saw Joe the other night, though, and he was um, – it was funny. There was, like, security guards, and they're like, you can't be back here, whatever. You know, and they were like – and I was just like, no, it's cool, man. It's cool. I'll leave. And the dude was ready to, like, hassle me really hard. And here come Joe and Johnny, and he's like, oh, Jared. You know, and all of a sudden the security guard's like, what? <laughs> oh shit you know and uh they're just good dudes man and, and we just geeked out over guitars you know it's like like you like me talking to you guys man. yeah you know, it's totally cool yeah well uh, I, I gotta say i i like you posted a picture at nam of just you found a les paul and you said uh the caption was something like it's so good to find a, a, a great guitar like this in the uh, in the midst of all the whammy bars and thirteen string guitars and stuff. Oh, I thought yeah, that dude. was awesome. And I mean, I'm okay with all that stuff, but sometimes it gets a little crazy. Oh, me too, man. You know, and it's all in good fun. And yeah. um, I ne- I'm not one of those guys, um, and I never could because you know when when I see somebody play like one of those fucking like forty string guitars, <laughs> yeah. and I watch them play, I'm like. And I, I think about how much time I took to learn how to bend a string and to learn how to put a vibrato on a note. I go, man, you literally dedicated a serious portion of your life to this instrument. And there is no piece of me that's going to sit here and, and try and, like, uh, you know, make fun or poke at it, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it gets to the point sometimes where, like at NAM, right, 
here I am just walking around, just, you know, saying hey to people and having a good time. And I'm literally looking around. I'm like, I don't see one fucking regular old Les Paul here. There's not one guitar, you know, like, and there's something to be said, man. They did the guitars right, like, in the first run, you know, like sure did. that guitar. I think it was a 53 gold top, right? Beautiful fucking guitar. And I was just like, man, now this is a guitar. You know, this is real. This thing has tone. This thing resonates, you know, and then you're, you, it's right across the way from a guy with a computer built into a, uh, a fucking six string, you know, like, and it's yeah. just like, where, where does it, where does the music part stop? And, the, you know, like there's, it's just crazy, you know? So sometimes you have to like, for me, especially, you know, you got to step back and be like, even with like pedals and all that stuff, it's like, man, I, I know so many guys and they're, they have 40 pedals and I'm like, gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen, like, where does it stop? And where, you know, like, <laughs> it's still about us playing music. You know what I mean? And it's like, I know a buddy, he has like 12 fuzz faces. Oh, they all sound a little different. And he has them all on a board. And I'm like, dude, you're <laughs> fucking insane, bro. <laughs> like, I sound different if I switch up my, the way I lay my hand on it. You know, like, it's just, yeah. you know, so yeah, Nam is hilarious like that, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. You got it, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much. This is great. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for, uh, you know, having me. It's probably cool. There you go, Jared James Nichols. Thank you to Peter from Noble PR for setting that up. And, of course, thank you to Jared James Nichols for taking the time out. We got a good 30-plus minutes there, and I loved how much detail he went into on his background there growing up, going oh, yeah. to college, and how he started playing with his fingers and all that stuff. Yeah, that was, you know, like I, I think I told you afterwards, some of that stuff I'd re I'd heard before, but he went into some stuff I hadn't heard. I was, you know, felt really fortunate to get a real good inside story on all that. Yeah. yeah and like we said earlier, you definitely need to get a hold of his album that just came out here a few weeks ago called Black Magic. You also need to go back to episode 158 of this podcast and hear us talk about it. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again at the end of the year for the best of 2018. Definitely. Yeah, that's, it's like, it's a short album. It's only like 30 minutes, but there's like 10 songs. Yeah. And, you know. And what's that bring us to? You get in, get out, hashtag all killer, no filler. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're talking about, people. <laughs> but definitely, Jared James Nichols, quite cool to talk to him. You know, he's someone that Jason's definitely been champion for a while, got me into as well, so we're glad to be able to get him here on the podcast. Definitely. And if this is your first time listening, we appreciate it. Go back here on soundcloud.com backslash thunderdash underground or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on iTunes, Google Music, Mixcloud, TuneIn, all that great stuff. You can even tell Alexa to play Thunder Underground on TuneIn and she'll do it. That's right. I've done it. There she, you go. She's our homegirl. <laughs> But yeah, go back through those 158 previous episodes. There's several where we just talk and review albums and concerts, but we've got tons of interviews throughout there. We've had on guys from Seven Dust, Megadeth. We had on Dave Elveson recently. We had on Chris Broderick about a year ago. We've had on guys from Kiss, Gene Simmons, Bruce Kulick, Kirk Winstein from Crowbar and Down, Jimmy Bauer from Down and I Hate God and Superjoint. Man, the list goes on. Reed yeah. Mullen from COC. Yeah, you're going to find someone you like, that's for sure. Yeah. We cover 
we covered all like we just talked about with this blues we've had on a lot of guys from the glam rocket stuff like from the monsters of rock cruise and we've had on really heavy stuff we've even had on shooter jennings country i know why not definitely that was one of the cooler ones too of course like i said soundcloud.com backslash thunder dash underground youtube at the thunderground and anywhere else podcast or heard just search thunder underground like i've said before we'll probably be the second thing under the ozzy song <laughs> click on us and follow us wherever you're listening if you like it follow us all that great stuff it helps and of course patreon dot com backslash thunder underground become a patron that stuff helps huge as well big time got anything else we need to talk about other than hopefully that metallica date doesn't fall on a date you can't go oh that's (laughs) taking precedence (laughs) believe me (laughs) all right well we'll see you soon and until next time thunder underground y'all (laughs) 